Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Get to Kohl's this weekend and save during the friends and family sale. Take an extra 20% off. Get Bleach for the family, $15.99 and under. The new Fitbit Inspire 2 is $99.99. And save on family denim, $17.59 and under. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Find a little more this fall. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Offers valid September 30th through October 4th. 20% off with promo code FAMILYSHOP. Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. all righty we made it barely it's uh march 23rd we're still surviving and we had internet issues that have managed, we've managed to overcome. So Eric, you still doing okay over there? I'm doing great. Um, other than, you know, uh, you know, obviously what's going on around the world, but, uh, I have, a, I'm, I'm, I get to talk football with you. Uh, I'm in a room by myself. There's not a whole lot to complain about at this point. Do you have any good stories for me? I, I have one COVID-19 story, I guess, if you will. Well, other is, than Brady Popinga showing that he was positive by tweeting out that Lamar Jackson was a poor man's Taysom Hill. Uh, I mean, I've been that's taking just like, racism, isn't it? <laughs> I think it is just racism. Um, I he also was like, like had a negative thing about Cam, which is basically like a dog whistle this, this weekend. So, yeah, it's bad. Um, I've been like taking pictures of like places uh, basically whenever, like I go to the supermarket, I'll take a picture of stuff. It, it got really surreal though, where the Starbucks uh, down the street from me went from being like a, okay, you can come in, but you got to leave after went straight up to a work closed. Yeah. I've seen that a lot, uh, lately. And so I flew into DC yesterday, uh, from LAX. That was a traumatizing experience. Every time someone sneezed, I felt like I was, I was going to like drop dead in the but then we land in DC and people are everywhere because it was a relatively nice day and the cherry blossoms were out, which is a thing here. So people are just everywhere. So they had to call it the national guard to like shut down the tidal basin, which was fun. But um, here's what we've got today. So we've got, we're going to talk a little bit about new England situation. Deshaun Watson had a pretty interesting tweet today that should get people excited. And with that, we're going to discuss Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. Because you could take for Trevor, but you could fold for Fields, too. I don't know if you have any better ones than that, but I think that's pretty Negative easy. yields for Fields is what our friend Ewan said on, on uh, the internet. Uh, I don't know if he, I pronounced his name correctly, but yeah, that, he, he, that was a great one. Uh, see, I disagree. I think that one's terrible. Um, I love uh, Changes to our mock draft. We're going to do a little... We're going to talk a little bit about like the top 12, 13 picks and how... Um, that might have changed after free agency. 
We have some best remaining free agents, and then we have some fun stuff. Win totals, William Hill released some, so we're going to talk about our favorite ones there, and some draft props. So let's start with New England. Their options are as follows. Jared Sidham, some other person they could get this year, Tank, and no. try and get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, or try and trade for Deshaun Watson. Where's well, your tanking and playing Jared Stenham, as I'm going to write about today, are the same thing. Right. So Stidham's young, true. but he stinks. So, like, let's – I don't – Stidham got worse every single year he's at Auburn in terms of wins above average. He His comps include players like Colt McCoy and uh, Christian Ponder. So, like, playing Stidham is, like, honestly their clearest path towards tanking. So – yeah. I, so Jared Sidham, Jared Sidham would be a clear tank, but aren't there? So there's some other options out there, right? Like they could go draft another rookie. They could, um, they could start Brian Hoyer. Uh, those are all tanking options. What are some options this year that would be, okay, clearly they're not trying to tank. And it seems like those are Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. Am I missing anybody that's available right now that for this season would not be a tank? Well, I don't think he's available, but in well, theory, sorry. like Andy Dalton, got Andy Dalton. Well, no, I mean, there. Are, I I don't think he's available, but I think like Watson, as you described, is somebody that could be like a okay, we're gonna reboot the franchise now. You know, what, um, what what would you have to give for Watson though? They don't have enough draft capital, do they? Uh, you could go like, I mean, it's Bill O'Brien, dude, that you could go two first and Joe Thune. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, I, I can. Yes. Two firsts for Deshaun Watson and Joe Thune. Let's, let's throw him in there. What would, so how quickly would Bill O'Brien lose his job if he traded Deshaun Watson? Uh, very quickly. How many people I, would go to those games? No one. Literally I tweet, no one. I tweeted this out though. Like we all goof on Bill O'Brien. And like, and I was trying to trigger Titans people's in my men- people in my mention because like, a you have the worst uniforms in the NFL. B you franchise tagged a running back. C you gave Ryan Tannehill a three year big deal. But like everybody digs on Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's won what? He won the AFC South in four, 15, 16, 18, and nineteen. Like that. Like he's won the AFC South with Brian Hoyer at quarterback and Brock Osweiler at quarterback. And then yes, now with Watson a couple times. Like that division stinks, right? So like I I just I still think that they're a winner with Watson even without Hopkins. And so I do I don't think O'Brien would, would actually trade Watson for anything at this point. But if he did, he would be he I don't know if he could like make it out. Yeah, I don't think he could make it out of there fast enough. Would you rather Okay, so I clearly the number three option is to or the last option is to try and compete this year with a crappy quarterback. Because even if, and I talked about this last time, even if they were somehow able to compete, which would technically be a feather in, in Belichick's cap, right? Cause it's like, Hey, Brady didn't matter that much. Cause Andy Dalton got me to the playoffs. That really is going to get forgotten quickly. Should Brady make it to a championship game of the Super Bowl, Right. So that's like the worst option. Then you've got tanking versus Deshaun Watson. 
You got to pick one of those options. Uh, Watson. Really? Just because yeah. you think you can get him for cheap. Well, not only that, but I mean, this is, and we have to come back, step back a second here. We are overvaluing the number one overall pick. Like, so Lawrence, Fields, Tua, uh, Burrow are all projected on average to be better than Stidham, Dalton, uh, you know, Hoyer, uh, any of these options. But they're still like more than likely going to suck compared to somebody like Watson. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I don't disagree, so, but you've got to give up a ton to get them. So you have a team that already has nobody on offense. I can't imagine Julian Edelman's there for much longer. Nikhil Harry is you if you couldn't change direction. Like, what's the what is Deshaun Watson going to be playing with? Um. Well, right. I mean, well, that and that's the thing. Like, I think if you're Belichick and you take on Watson, what you what you are assuming. And I guess this kind of falls flat when you when you think about Hopkins being the number one player there. But ultimately, Watson's dealt with a lot like he's dealt with a terrible offensive line during that time. He's dealt with Bill O'Brien until this past season, not calling plays to be particularly conducive to him being safe in the pocket. And, uh, you know, a defense that sucks, frankly. Right. And so um, so you, you said, OK, wide receiver aside, he's been pretty impervious to situations being bad around him if we got him a number one wide receiver which is certainly something they could do in the draft or you're using you know free agency or trade or you know in the future um something they can do uh then he'd be that sort of quarterback where it's like yeah not a whole lot of the pieces are in place but pieces have never really been in place for for uh for watson at all sean watson over the past two seasons is the seventh highest graded quarterback so I don't think it's ridiculous to say, hey, even if you get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, those guys in a vacuum, uh, there's no way on average they're as good as Deshaun Watson, certainly. But right. I think you can make the but I think you can make the argument that Deshaun Watson on average is not play has not played would not play as well as he has played because he has had a pretty great set of receivers in Houston. Yeah. hasn't had a particularly tough road in terms of opposing defenses. Like I don't, I, I think Deshaun Watson's amazing. I thought he should have been in the MVP conversation for a long time last year, but I do think it would be potentially not that pretty if he had to throw to Nikhil Harry. <laughs> like that scares me. And I don't know what the avenue is to get a number one receiver. Like Odo Beckham Jr. might be on the market, but they're not going to just give him away if you have nothing yeah. left to trade. Well, and that's where I think this whole discussion comes down to, because not only are the Patriots without Brady, they're without uh, Deron Harmon. They're without Jamie Collins, senior. They're without Kyle Van Noy, Danny Shelton, uh, Landon Roberts, uh, possibly without Joe Tooney. If they get a trade for him, they're already without the second round pick that they traded for Mohamed Sanu. Um, They wasted a number one pick on Sony Michelle. Like this is a classic situation where let's not overthink. Like if you were in charge of the Patriots, this is a classic. Do not overthink it. You have equity, right? You have equity for days. If you're Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, like with Robert Kraft, like this is a, this is a classic, you know, tank the season, you know, uh, 
And, and I can guarantee you they're going to be better at tanking than the dolphins were, uh, you know, they'll probably get, end up with the top three pick and there's options. Like we talked about this internally yesterday, but like we talk about Trevor Lawrence as if he's the number one pick, no matter what, but like Justin Fields played better than him last year and is like a pretty damn good prospect himself. And at this time, both of the last two seasons, Baker Mayfield was not in the conversation with number one overall pick in January of the year he was drafted, let alone, you know, the previous season. And last season at this time, Joe Burrow was an AAF quarterback, right? So there are going to be tons of options for the Patriots here and everything else is requiring them to sort of shoot the moon. When in reality, like a quarterback affords you so much variance when drafted to- at the top of the draft, provided the expectations are proper. Yeah. And I should say this in a clean pocket, Deshaun Watson only looks better. But right? his biggest issue is that under pressure, he tends to take a ton of sacks. He controls his pressure rate a lot. That would be something that you would expect the Patriots to do a good job of getting out of the system. If, if, they, if anyone could right? Yeah. It'd be the New England way that would do that. Let's talk about Lawrence and Fields because okay, you brought this up last night. And you were like, you know, who, who is who should be the presumptive number one pick right now? And you know that there is a lot of steam that has been pushed in Trevor Lawrence's direction because of what he did not what this past year, but two years ago yeah. in the national championship. Right? He played great, all that stuff. Also, he looks the part, right? He has an iconic look, he's six six. Like, you know, owners go to sleep and dream about having a quarterback that looks like that. I mean, Kraft doesn't even have to be asleep. I set you up. (laughs) I set you up beautifully for that. Um, So I went into it. And personally, I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan. I think he's fantastic. I really like all the things he does on the field. But I also think that off the field, he strikes me as someone who I can get behind, which I think is really important for someone that's going to lead your locker room. But... I took a lot of time today going through and looking at a bunch of different ways in which these guys have graded with the lens of, Hey, Trevor Lawrence played against not a lot of good players and had a heck of a lot of good weapons. Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. That's graded better than Trevor Lawrence in every single situation, both compared to Lawrence this past year and Lawrence from two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on the Justin Field bandwagon. Plus, you're here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. He's six three, two twenty five. It's not as if he's five nine. Like there's not, you know, this isn't like David versus Goliath here. Justin Fields is legit. The interesting thing about Fields, so a lot of times when this stuff happens, it's a socioeconomic thing, right? It's you know, Lawrence is the number one overall recruit out of high school. He's got all the great coaching, yada yada yada, right? And then, you know, fields, you know, whether it be, you know, because he's African-American or whether, you know, uh, but like generally speaking, folks will underestimate quarterbacks in his situation until it becomes like Kyler Murray, where it's just too much. Like he's so much better than everybody else. So I have to regard him that way. Um, But fields is like every bit the 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 superstar pedigree groomed, you know, going to you know, going to camps, having private quarterback coaches, all that kind of stuff. And the results show it, right? Like we look back and you look at Georgia and we think, oh, well, Justin Fields Fields couldn't even beat out Jake Fromm. Well, look at this. Georgia's offense sucks. Okay. So it's not, it's, this is a, this is a Georgia's offense fault and not a Justin Fields fault, right? Like that offense stunk. 
Georgia's would, right now where LSU was like a couple of years yeah, ago yeah. where they just like couldn't realize that they should just spread it out and let their athletes win. And instead they have like no one that can make any moves and it, it's just, it's not great. They wouldn't for, know. They wouldn't know a good quarterback if it like look if it threw the ball right into their face. Like that's, you know, and so, so like fields goes to Ohio state and to your, to your point, like, you know, Lawrence started out He threw five interceptions the first uh, three games and then another three, you know, so he had like eight interceptions the first eight weeks, which is not great, but not terrible. He didn't throw another interception the rest of the year. He averaged more than 10 yards per pass attempt in all the three games down the stretch. But you look at the teams that he faced, right? So look at the teams that like were actually pretty good. Texas A&M, 7.4 yards per pass attempt. Uh, You look down, you know, even like, North Carolina ended up being a decent team, 6.9 yards per pass attempt. And then you got South Carolina was a team that was good enough to beat George, you know, eight yards per pass attempt. And then you got Ohio state less than eight yards per attempt. LSU 6.3 fifth. You know, he basically completed about half his passes during the college football playoff. Like whereas fields was a, you know, fields had like JK Dobbins drop a touchdown pass in the semifinal game. Like he was, he every bit played the part in that game. And, you know, I, when I look at these two quarterbacks, our projection system likes Fields slightly. They're both going to be great in terms of like prospects, but right now I got to give the edge to Fields. Yeah. So what I looked at was, and this happens a lot. I think people assume that the Ohio State offensive system does quarterbacks a ton of good. So I took out screen passes, I took out short passes, and I looked only at non-play action throws, seven plus yards downfield. Fields is better. I looked only at horizontal lead throws, which are by far the most common throw in the NFL. That's by far. Fields by an even larger margin. So he checks the box of, I do the things at the NFL level that happen most frequently. I do them better. And then also checks all the other ancillary pieces that we always talk about, which is, oh, did he have a huge advantage, you know, playing against inferior competition with great playmakers? No, Lawrence had that. Oh, he's an unheralded guy that came out of nowhere. No one expected him to do that. That's not the case at all yeah. uh, with Justin Fields. So uh, we should plant our flag here right now that Justin Fields is the is right now in the driver's seat. But both of these guys, it's another situation where they're going to go one, two. And maybe you have another guy that comes in there and it's one, two, three. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at just at um, wins above average last year, which are, is our college version of wins above replacement. Last season, Joe Burrow was a win, a win point three better than any other quarterback in the in the college football. And then Justin Fields was second at one point seven wins above average. Um, Dustin Crum, who's kind of like a runner slash. He's actually a pretty good player for Kent State. And then it was Trevor Lawrence was fourth, followed by Jalen Hurts. Um, and so, like, you know, Lawrence, we're not saying Lawrence stinks, right? This isn't a Justin Herbert, uh, Jordan Love situation. Or even like a Tua situation. Like I think both of these. So just to be, I think both of these prospects are better than Tua. Um, oh, I completely agree. Tua Tua has the issue of the time value of money, right? You get Tua now, right? He's a year in before these two other other players get in the league. So there's a little bit of value added on Tua because you can take him today. But um, but I think like as far as you know, options for New England. I mean, New England's going to luck box into a couple of really good options here. Probably, you know, I think we, we were talking about this. I think Winston was probably the last quarterback where a year ago, a year going into his, his last year, it was like, okay, this guy's the guy. And even Winston kind of sucked his last year before being drafted number one by Tampa. But like, 
you know, this is unprecedented relative in, in you know, recent memory. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And to be fair, it's not as if that necessarily helps the guy, right? It almost, yeah. you know, there's no, there's nothing that says, oh, yeah, okay, just because he came out of nowhere, that that means this guy's an absolute stud. Like, there's still a bunch of question marks. If well, and we've, we've seen it in the history, right? I mean, we saw, like, Matt Liner was probably a shoe-in to be the number one overall pick if he would have came out in 2005. He stayed in school, famously took one credit dancing class, and then, and then, not only gets drafted behind, I think he got drafted behind Vince Young, who like famously beat him in the national title game, but was it, he was ahead of Cutler, but wasn't there a player that was picked ahead of, anyway, Leinert fell to 10, right? It, it, Herbert was another one. If Herbert would have come out last year, I think that his draft stock would have been higher than oh, coming right. out this year. Uh, Jordan loves a player who played better last season than he played in 2019. So there, there's no guarantee that it, these guys will be great. Um, in fact, you know, statistics would suggest they would regress to the mean a little bit. But uh, as of right now, I think they're one, two. And I think Fields, as you said, we should plant our flag and say Fields is the better one of the two. You heard it here first. Um, anything else you want to add to the whole New England tank situation? That- well, uh, Patriots fans. So as we've brought it up on the hashtag Internet, like people are like a little bit are getting a little bit upset about this idea that the Patriots are going to lose some games next year. And to the point where somebody even like offered to bet me like a certain amount of money that they would make the playoffs with Hoyer, which is pretty funny considering Hoyer's probably not even going to start, but like, it's a, like the best play for them is to tank. And I think if you're a long-term fan of the team, like you should want that to be the case. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't get it. I wonder if they're just, so, some Patriots fans have got to be Bill Belichick fans, right? And the ultimate win for Belichick is somehow being great with a really crappy quarterback, which will mean their games would not be fun to watch, right? It would be, right. you know, and, and it's, I mean, it's not something that's likely to happen, right? You're, you're hoping for a, a very uncommon event to occur, which is the defense is extraordinary. The teams you play kind of suck. Like all of these things have to fall into place. If you're going to win with a really bad quarterback, but I don't think he's dumb enough to chase that, right? I think he's smart enough to say, really what will help me win this kind of battle of wills in the end against Tom Brady is being successful for five years when he's only got two years left. And that's what makes it attractive to get Deshaun Watson. Because if you could somehow, there's no way, but if you could somehow get him this year, like you can start building towards it. I I just can't see that being a possibility, which means that tanking is is the option. Well, and not only that, but like just to finish this off, they have all of the markers of a team that would regress even with a good quarterback, right? Your defense is first in the sure. league in EPA allowed. You lost a decent amount of players. It, there's it no regressed there's over no, the course of the season. Yeah, and there's no way Stephon Gilmore is going to be better. Every team in your division is better than they were a season ago, likely, right? And then... The, the AFC is just so top heavy. Like, what's the point at this point? Like, you're not going into Kansas City and beating the Chiefs with Hoyer. I'm sorry. You're not you're not going to beat Baltimore. You couldn't beat Baltimore last year with Brady. You could beat the Chiefs last year with Brady. Like, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to tear it down and build it back up. Belichick still gets what, gets what he wants, is, which is to win with a, a different quarterback other than Brady. And... New England also saves themselves the embarrassment of trying to win and then being beat by Tampa Bay. Right. You know, like you save some face. It's like, you know, it's like that player that you played with, 
in sports who always got hurt when it was time to win a starting spot. And they could never be told they suck because they always, always had an excuse. Like that's like the, the Patriots could, you know, could tank this year and then it absolves them from a decent amount of blame. When in reality, it's part Brady left and part the fact that they went all in for the last few years and, and the, the bill came due. Then they get Justin Fields and uh, the rest of history. All right. Uh, let's talk about mock draft changes. Going through the top, going through the top 13. And first pick, Joe Burrow, no change there. I get to number two. And we did our original mock draft with no trades. But now we're looking at it. Miami doesn't seem like they have any interest in signing anybody that's that's out there, even though I think Winston would be cool. If they go up to get Tua at number two, and that kind of creates, I think, something interesting, which is, okay, number three, you have the Lions. There's no reason for anyone to trade with them because there's no quarterback there. So say they take Okuda. The, the Giants are there. We've talked about how we, we think they should take a wide receiver. And if they do, good for them. But I'm going to guess there's no chance in hell they take a wide receiver because the Giants. So then you have the Washington Redskins sitting there at five, the number one wide receiver on the board. You already have Terry McLaurin. That division isn't super strong. You get the number one wide receiver. And you all of a sudden put together kind of a team. Like you got a little offense there. I don't know Trent Williams, but he wasn't there last year either. So that was the thing that I, when I was going through it, I was like, this might be the change that, that would be the most interesting in the top five. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think um, that it would be enticing for them to take a lineman, um, obviously, because there are good linemen available. Um, but I don't think you could sell it to a, like if you're a, you're a new head coach in Ron Rivera, right? You, it's going to be hard for them to sell. Okay. We traded back and we got a left tackle. You know what I'm saying? You already gave up on, you know, chase young, you trade back and you think, okay, we got to get somebody who lights it up. Right. And whether it be Judy or, or rugs um, or uh, lamb or, you know, one of those receivers that's near the top there, it gives you a solid, I mean, McLaurin's a great like receiver that kind of does all the, all the, you know, wins in the right places. It might be a place where rugs takes the top off the defense or obviously Judy's a great all around prospect, but I do like that. I do like that idea. Um, especially if they take the chance to get one of these like available free agent quarterbacks to push Haskins. Kyle Allen. Well, they just got Kyle Allen, but like, which is funny. I mean, you know, if, if you, if today, today doesn't tell you anything about how inbred the NFL is in some regard, I don't know what will where like PJ Walker goes to place for his college coach in Carolina. And then they trade him. They trade Kyle Allen to his first NFL coach, Ron Rivera. Same day, sort of like, Oh, so Kyle we're just Allen should not, should not be scaring Dwayne Haskins. But, um, that was the big thing that I thought would be interesting to watch. Um, you could make the argument for the offensive tackle there because you could say, okay, well, the wide receiving class is super deep. Also, it appears there's a side. So, someone's getting arrested out there. Maybe someone left at home. Um, the offensive tackle you know, group is super deep. The wide receiver draft is super deep. So it would probably come down to, hey, which of our guys do you think the market – 
uh, value, you know, which of our top guys is the market value less because you're probably going to get two first round picks from Miami to trade up. And you go, okay, we'll use one of these picks on a wide receiver and offensive tackle, and then we'll do the reverse with their next pick, you know, whoever's available there. Um, so I think it's a spot for Washington to get better and get better quickly. Um, other thoughts you had on how the, the top 13 might change. Yeah. So I, I certainly thought um, with Balaga in the mix, I sort of, I, I thought that, you know, the chargers might want to go with somebody like Judy at six or rugs, depending upon who we decide to go, you know, first among those two players. Um, I think, you know, obviously you add him to an offense with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and, uh, and uh, Hunter Henry, you give you give whomever's playing quarterback there a fair shake. Um, I think six is way too high for just or for Justin Herbert, for example. The other one that I liked as far as a change, I liked um, uh, Tristan Wirfs. I liked him to Arizona. Now that Arizona's got the Hopkins in the mix, I think that you have some receivers there, but you can now you know bolster the offensive line now that you have a critical mass at wide receiver. Um, and I, I have you guys, the San Francisco 49ers at 13 going to digs now. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cause, cause I think, I think the Niners are going to be a team that we can use as a teachable moment for coverage. Cause they were great in coverage last year, but it's sort of one of those where it's like, it's great to be great at coverage. It's even better to be sort of more stable there. And I think, depending upon K1 Williams, Richard Sherman and uh, Emmanuel Mosley to both to all be good again is a little bit speculative. If you give yourself another body in that room, I think you give yourself a chance. And I, and the Niners even showed that when Akella Witherspoon started to struggle and they went immediately to Mosley in the playoffs and they patched it up quite well, at least until the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. So it's like, I think that a lot of people want them to go wide receiver there. But I think that I think that Shanahan is far more able to scheme guys like Samuel uh, and Pettis and those kind of guys, Bourne, all those guys open. Oh, Pettis. Yeah. Yeah. More than uh, Pettis is a second round pick. I don't understand why they're he not playing himself him. onto the field. Yeah. But like they're they're going to be far more likely to curb the issues associated with bad receivers than bad defensive backs. I, I personally love that. Let me I have a couple thoughts on things you said. The first was I had the same note on the Chargers, which is, okay, you got the Laga, but, and they're, they're probably going to take Justin Herbert, which is Jeez. hilarious, right? But what if they went Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, I also said, put that there. We're going to have the most, I mean, imagine having Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James on the same defense. Like how, that would just be fun. I, we yeah. talked a couple podcasts ago about the amazing article you wrote how important it is to have depth in coverage and having depth, but also having flexibility depth from a flexibility perspective, right? You have all these players who now can do like four different things on any given play. To me, that would just be exciting to see how, how good it could be. And you already have a bunch of weapons, you know, offensively, Tyrod Taylor, average quarterback, like, you could legit be a decent team given how bad you know the Broncos and Raiders are going to be. Um, and then with uh, with San Francisco, I thought it was really interesting. We had at number thirteen the Colts taking Lavishka Chenault, 
And one of the things that I, he reminded me of was how the Niners used Debo Samuel last year. Oh, the Colts can use LaVisca Chenault similarly. Chenault's a little bigger. Um, but that would be cool. Like the Niners, you know, they don't exactly have depth at receiver right now. I mean, they theoretically do, but really in terms of what they've shown on the field, don't. Um, so I could certainly see that happening. Um, what I would really love to happen is some team fall in love with Justin Herbert, him still be on the board, and the Niners would then trade down and get two players instead of one. Yeah, I think I think Herbert was always mocked at 13, and then uh, um, Love was always mocked at 14th. I think that if the Niners could take advantage of that situation, um, it would be a very, very, very good April for them. And anytime you can have a great April without having taken a player yet, you're in a good spot. Um, and yeah, and especially given, so I went through and like kind of read it all of our picks. I showed you the only one I couldn't think of was Seattle. I just put no clue. Um, cause I honestly have no idea what they would, you know, uh, cause they have so many needs, but it's sort of in weird spots. Um, but, um, when I was sort of looking through, like the Niners could move back three, four, five picks and still get a good defensive back or, or wide receiver. And that's really where they're weak, right? I mean, um, and, you know, weaker. They're not weak anywhere, but weaker. And uh, and that really puts them in a nice spot, right? I mean, it really puts them in a nice spot as far as team building and, and, and the like. What I think is makes the the call go in your favor. So say they stay at 13, they can't get in on the move. Um, you also have that pick at the back of the first round. You say to yourself, okay, well, am I going to take a corner or a receiver? Well, if all if both things are equal, the cornerback is probably a, a bigger need given the fact that Kyle Shanahan is pretty darn good at what he does. Yep. Secondarily, the corner class is far weaker than the wide receiver class. So, you know, it can be a place where you can get kind of the best of both worlds if you have a guy – you know, the market doesn't value as much in the receiver position that you can get so later on. Maybe you have to trade up a few spots to get them, but you've already accumulated enough. You're, it's a net win for you. Kind of like what the Ravens did. If you take if you take a wide receiver at 13, you probably have to trade up with the second first round pick to get who you want at corner. And that, to me, is just maybe not the best thing for them to do. Um, uh, well, any other thoughts on, on mock changes? Yeah, I'm wondering, so maybe for the next mock, I wonder what, what you think about this, but maybe we also do one, we also try to pick a player for every team that doesn't have a first-round pick because that group is getting quite big. Um, but what was interesting was when we looked at the draft, the the, the mock, we, we were struggling finding a, a player Buffalo would really want slash need, and they sort of erased that for us by trading for Stephon Diggs. So that was interesting, uh, putting Minnesota there, uh, and Minnesota needs basically everything. So um, that was a solid uh, move. Um, trying to think of other ones. Teams didn't really fill a lot of holes, um, which is I think Dallas maybe doesn't take a safety now that they got Clinton Dix. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting free agency period. But I don't think it traded changed the mock all that much. I agree. I, I had trouble finding anything that that changed dramatically. So what we'll do for our next one is we'll include some trades. I think that would make it more exciting. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about teams that don't have a first round pick and, and maybe we'll, we'll also come up with a couple of spots where, look, Hey, teams could go either way. Here are like the two players, you know, rank one and two, um, that we would like to give them. So stay tuned for that.
Let's um, let's talk uh, best remaining free agents real quick. Jameis, Jadavian Clowney, Robbie Anderson, Hell Roby Coleman, Rashad Perryman, Logan Ryan. Um, I, I think the biggest question to me is who's going to overpay Jadavian Clowney and will it actually be the Seahawks? <laughs> Well, you saw that, like, was it Madden that, like, had Clowney going to the Titans? Like, it had him, like, shape-shifting into a Tennessee Titans player? Yeah. Um, Tennessee overpaying for Clowney would be, like, the tic-tac-toe of, like, a bad offseason. Brilliant right? offseason. Yeah. yeah, you know what but I mean? It would like, be- It'd be the perfect, like, it, it, it'd be, we'd talk about how it was bad, and literally everyone that is as common average fan would bring their pitch force out. Like, you idiots, how yeah. do you get paid to do this? Did you even see who they signed? Like, it would just, it yeah. would, you know, be fuel to the fire. Meanwhile, I kinda, meanwhile, they get rid of Logan Ryan, who's, like, probably their best corner and still bad. And then, I, like... They can't cover anybody, but they got Clowney. You know, Clowney's not even a. This sound. This is a hot take, but Clowney's a great all-around player. But as far as rushing the passer, he's no better than Cameron Wake. No, no way. So, like Cameron Wake's actually well above average. Yeah, so um, that would be. I, I think it, Tennessee's in the running. Um, I wonder if Indianapolis just says forget it. Like Houston's a. Uh, flaming pile of poo uh tennessee just signed Tannehill, for you know ffs and then uh you know and jacksonville's tanking like why let's just lean completely in and use all of our because if you take okay you take clown and you put them on a d-line with deforest buckner and justin houston that's pretty fierce you know they can't cover anybody still but you know i think there there's a, a train of thought that that could that could lead to a good defensive you know group um, they just got rid of Pierre Desir, so I don't know what that means. But um, I've got, I've what, got a, what else? What other team do you think? Um, the Clowny man, I, I just don't know. I, I could kind of see the. I thought the Giants would maybe make a play for him, um, but yeah. they seem. I would guess they think they've got a good chance of getting chasing him. Um, here's the, the couple of interesting ones are. So if Jameis doesn't have a starting spot. And he's looking at places where it would be advantageous to be a backup. Um, I was thinking of a couple of, of places there. The first one that came to mind was New Orleans. Uh, but, you know, Taysom Hill, the second comment of Steve Young is there. The second place is Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And is Jameis even that much worse than Big Ben at this point? No, I, I don't <laughs> think there's any reason to believe he's that much worse. I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Um, with Big Ben right now, obviously. But you figure he doesn't have that many, you know, years left. But you could go there and you could, you know, you could kind of re they're a team that's in the in the news a lot. You could like reestablish your credibility as like being a good team first guy. And then next year someone goes, you know, they've kind of forgotten about the 30 interceptions and maybe the narrative is positive and you can go somewhere. Uh, and get a starting job, but that that spot intrigued me a lot. Um, along with the Saints and James. yeah, I, I I think I like that one a lot. Um, obviously, the ones that have stopped making sense are Chicago and you know Los Angeles Chargers, just for reasons. Um, and and the way that the Rams have it structured with Goff kind of is not going to be in the cards there for him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean it's it's a tough it, it's a tough bit, right? I mean, you could think about who met, like let's say Watson does get traded, right? Then maybe Houston's a, Houston is a designation for him or destination. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, I, obviously we like the Dolphins last week. I still think the Dolphins should they not actually take a quarterback this year would be a great place for Jameis to go play. Yes, agree. We talked about this last time. I think it's a it's a perfect spot. Um, and then they should go out and try and sign like Robbie Anderson or Sean Perryman. Yeah. They could legit win that division. All right. Let's do some win totals. You ready? Oh, I'm. This is this is fun. Okay. So I've already, Hill... I've already invested a significant amount in some of these. Good. Same. So William Hill uh, tweeted out win totals for this coming season. You can go yeah. check it out. Just go to William Hill, uh, their Twitter account. And. Um, we both circled a few. Uh, I'll let you start. Just okay. give, give me your top. Give me the one that you're scrolling down and it like jumped out of the computer screen and just slapped you in the face. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, I mean, Rams under nine wins, even at minus 140, is probably my favorite on the board. Now, had you seen the Rams new logo before? making the bet or was this pre like the official rollout of their whole new creative? No, this is, this is after just seeing some things like how they handled the Todd Gurley, like, like the Jared Goff thing. The fact that they, it sounds like there's a rumor that they might trade uh, Brandon cooks for Anthony Harris. Like, but you know, I, I think the, I think the Rams, a combination of being in a division where, you know, I give you a lot of shit, but the Niners are a pretty damn good team. So the Niners, uh, Arizona is not going to be a pushover this year. Um, Seattle is never an easy team to beat. Um, You have, you know, obviously like going into a new stadium, there's going to be like the pressures associated with that. And then like, it's just, there's, they lost a lot of defensive players and their most valuable one in Wade Phillips. Like I just, I don't see them being better than 500. Yeah, Ram, I circled the Rams under nine, too. And the reasoning is pretty simple. There is a legit shot that they have the worst offense in that division. Yeah. A very legit shot. Sean McVay, who like I think both of us have faith in as far as or had faith in for a greater part of the past two seasons as a guy that was going to innovate, right? We talked about this last year. He's got to make some schematic changes to make his offense better prepared to handle the defenses that clearly stopped what he started with in Los Angeles. It just it didn't really happen last year. Like their offensive line broke down, but Dude, there are offensive lines that are patchwork all the time in the NFL. I mean, the Chiefs had, you know, just a bunch of random guys playing on the interior of their line. The Niners, the same thing. Both their tackles, I had both their tackles out for a while and have random guys playing on the interior. And they couldn't figure out a way to get a quick game going that could matriculate the ball down the field. Where every other team in the NFL does that. I mean, the Niners, there are there are systematic problems. So McVeigh is a terrific offensive mind by all accounts, but there are systematic and like if we were training a machine learning model around McVeigh's offense, the, the errors would not be like normally distributed. Let's just put it that way. Like it's not, there are systematic problems with his offense. 
that until he addresses them, will always like they're a tell, right? Oh, they absolutely are. Um, okay, here's the, another one that I really liked, and I actually didn't put this into the um, into the doc, but it just it just sticks out at me like a sore thumb. Raiders under seven and a half wins, oh. minus one ten. I did write that one down. I would, I would, I would, and again, some of these like you you can get better prices other places. I would take under seven. Raiders, but if I'm getting seven and a half, I am. Raiders I, under seven and a half stuck out to me for a similar reason. Chargers over seven and a half stuck out to me as well. And to me, so this is how, why it stuck out. The Raiders suck. The Broncos quarterback, we have no idea. I think people are overvaluing what he's probably going to do. Um, they are at seven and a half as well. The, the Broncos and the Chargers, like I know things happen to the Chargers, but the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders are all not equal. Like the Chargers are the better team of that group. Even if Tyrod Taylor starts, like Tyrod Taylor is at worst tied with Derek Carr as the best quarterback of that group. And they have a ton of playmakers. So it stuck out to me. Yeah. Tyrod um, Taylor took a buff, took Buffalo teams that were far worse than this Chargers team uh, to, um, I mean, basically like eight and eight. Right. And like, didn't have nearly these, uh, you know, didn't have nearly these like type of talent. Right. No, I, that was my reasoning. I just thought seven and a half for all three of those teams was ridiculous. And um, the Chargers also have the number six pick. So um, that should not be. Well, the the Raiders did not win a game last season that was decided by more than a touchdown. They, uh, if you were to, yeah, they're not, they're, they had a fun little plucky season where our friends at the ringer wrote about how great they drafted seven games in. I remember we, we goofed out, we goofed about it a little bit at the time. And like, ultimately they regressed uh, as you would expect. They had some cool wins winning in London against the bears was pretty fun. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, some other, you know, they beat the chargers, I think at least once. And, and those are good wins, but like, they're all, you know, close, like random noise wins. You run it back. They're probably a five and 11 team fundamentally. Okay. Here's one that I like a lot. The Detroit lions, over six and a half. My, my reasoning is pretty simple. They, before Matt Stafford got hurt, were a better team than the record indicated. Their offense was really quite solid. They have a top three pick that is not indicative of how bad their team was. Um, and I know they lost Darius Slay, but Darius Slay last season they weren't using him correctly. So I don't know that we view, should view it as this enormous loss for the Lions, even though we view it as a huge game for the Eagles. Um, they picked up Drew Pont, They pick up if they pick up Okuda here. Um, I mean, it, what's laughable to me is that they're six and a half and the Bears are eight and a half. So similarly, well, I'm and like the, the Bears under eight and a half. And the Vikings are, and I got the Vikings, the Vikings at nine and a half the other day. And I'm sorry, Vikings fans that listen to our show. I mean, that is egregious. Like, they're if you look at if you look at this division, the Packers probably are going to get to 10, 11 wins just based upon how bad the Bears and the Vikings are. And even though last season they were 13 and three, more fundamentally a nine and 17. 
10 and 16. All that plays really well into, into the Detroit lions who, you know, you could say a lot about that culture. Like people will talk about, you know, how bad the culture was for Detroit. Um, but if you watch, like they played hard for Patricia last year, I don't understand people trying to like bury Patricia for reasons other than, you know, his, his like looks or whatever. Right. But like they played the Packers down to the wire in week 17 when they had nothing to play for other than to ruin the, the Packers chance at a first round bye, Right. And they, they lost a lot of games really close. Um, you know, uh, the you over know, they six play. and a half is even money too, which I, I know I went, so I read six and a half wins and I go, Oh, it's going to be, you know, minus one forty or something. It's, I easy. mean, they, they had, they, so they were three, three and one after beating the giants, right? Mm-hmm. They had, well, last season they had one score losses to Kansas city, to green Bay, to Oakland, to Chicago, to Dallas, to Washington, to Chicago again, and then again to green Bay. Like, and the latter half of those games were started by either uh, Driscoll or Blau. Like this team didn't quit on Patricia. Like they were three, four and one after, you know, when Stafford went down with an injury, like, this team doesn't suck. They, they could use some corners. They could use some pass rush. They could use, uh, you know, a third, I know they got Amendola back. They could use some production from Hawkinson, but he's a young tight end. They're pretty good offensively up front. Like, I agree with you hundred percent. And I, I honestly, I placed a bet on them to win the NFC North at plus like 900. Cause I, I think that's a good play too. Yep. I like it. Um, I have a couple more. Do you have a couple more? Yeah. One I did. I had, um, uh, I had Cowboys over nine and a half. Ooh. Um, I, I knew this, I knew you were going to have this one and I am, I can't decide if we are being a little too kind to our friend, Mike McCarthy. Well, we know Mike personally, so it's sort of, you know. It's hard for me not to root for him. Uh, That was a humble brag, by the way. Uh, He was a cool dude. Um, He has talked a lot about how he's going to change some things up. I think we found out a lot of the issues in Green Bay were not on Mike McCarthy. I think that is probably the biggest feather in his cap that he should have. Um, and the Cowboys theoretically are incredibly talented, right? They have Mari Cooper back. They have that. What I am worried about is the fact that they couldn't find a way to sign Dak Prescott. And so every single press conference, every single morning show is going to lead with what the hell is happening with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys? And that's just hard to deal with. Yeah. No, I mean, asking a team to win nine games or to win 10 games is really tough, you know? And so I don't know. I mean, this is not as strong. Like I like, I like the Vikings and Rams unders a lot more than I like uh, this over, but I just like unders in general, because I feel like we always underestimate how many things can go wrong. But, But they do have an easy division. They do have, um, you know, obviously a new coach and a new, like a newish scheme tends to prop things up a little bit. Um, they were fundamentally far better than a nine and a half win team last year. So some of those things I think will be in their favor. It's just a question of, you know, how frustrated do you want to be in November when you're grinding out, you know, they're seven and six or something like that, you know? Right. Um, okay. This is the one that I think people will hate the most, but I love it. 
Patriots under nine wins. I mean, I think that's a. I think that's a. There are universes where that's a lock within the next month. I. Even if, even if Bill Belichick sits there and goes, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to win with Andy fucking Dalton. Dude, Andy Dalton is going to play. They're going to play in a primetime game. Andy Dalton is going to throw a pick six so bad that the Patriots are going to fucking storm the field and take him out. Like Patriots fans are going to lose their damn mind when Andy Dalton is playing in a primetime game. Um, Andy Dalton is fine. But there's no way if Andy Dalton is the Patriots quarterback, I love the fact that I would have under nine wins. Um, the only way that I would be afraid if I had the Patriots at, at under nine wins is if Deshaun Watson were their quarterback. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I but I mean, a legit I mean, shot they can't, in which case this is obviously a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so tell me I'm stupid. No, I don't. I think here's the thing to me. It's why unders are such the better play for win totals, because a, if you add them up for most books, I haven't added the ones up for William Hill. Obviously you have to adjust for juice, but it ends up being more than two fifty six almost all the time. So unders are almost always a better play. Um, it all, everything else being equal. But then the second thing is I, I sort of think about this with respect to Indianapolis. We do our simulation last year. We come out with about 9.2 wins. Um, you know, it's 9.5. Okay. I just based upon our model bet blindly the under for the Indianapolis Colts. What happens? Well, their quarterback retires. And then now you're sitting on a ticket that is almost, and granted, they had a nice little run during the first half of the season, but you have a ticket that's almost assuredly a win, right? And like, there are so many instances where that's true for the under and it's not for the over. Like, you look at the Philadelphia, right? That one year where they signed everybody and Namdi Asamoah, Vince Young, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And they still go eight and eight, right? Like there are so many more circumstances where everything goes wrong for a team. And the under is such a stone cold, you know, cinch lock than everything goes right for a team. Yep. And with you, I have a couple in that vein, I have a couple more unders, but I'll let you. Um, yeah, let me, <clears throat> um, so along that, along those lines, um, along those lines, I like can this sounds stupid cause I'm a fan, but I think the value here is on Kansas city under 11 and a half plus okay. 120. I'm glad you brought this up because here's my question. The chiefs and the Ravens are both 11 and a half. If I sit here and I go, okay, I got to bet. I don't think both these teams are winning 12 games. One of them, is going to go under. Which one would you rather have the under on? I would rather have the Ravens under than the Chiefs. Same. Same. Um, because there's more. So, and again, these are all bad reasonings in a vacuum, but it sort of is the, the, the Chiefs have never gone under their win total with Andy Reid. The only tricky part is that, is that we're fine. It is a trend zone. Did it's you true. steal that but, from Clay Travis? Well, no, the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are actually they broke his uh, ATS thing. Where like <laughs> you're 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 seven and zero against the spread against really good efficient offenses yeah. when you suck. No, we need to re we need to rehash this. If you no, I mean this, if he go, doesn't go. die of the coronavirus, taking his own advice, we'll make fun of him. But as of now, he might be a dead man in a in a week. So let's just anything, lay off him. 
anyone listening has not seen this, go look up last year's, like, um, whatever the, this box betting show is. He had these two trends for why to bet against the Chiefs or why to bet on the Titans. And it was like the Titans are five and zero against offenses that average six plus yards per play. Yeah, I'm looking at this now, and it is it's absolutely like it, all you have to do is think about it for probably 0.2 seconds to figure out that this is probably the worst trend of all trends that you could possibly come up with. And then he doubled down on it the next week when the Titans played the uh, the Chiefs. And basically use the same version of it, right? Yeah. Did you and, find and it? Then, no, it was. Uh, let me look at. Uh, okay. Um, give me your next one that you. So yes. let's let's talk about Kansas City for a second here, because again, you winning. So Chiefs have won twelve or more games the last three of the last four years. Um, but winning twelve games, I don't think people understand that the base rate for winning twelve games is extremely low. <laughs> No, and, people don't get that, especially because most people concerned. So when someone goes into betting a total, they 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 let their proclivities kind of like steer them, right? So if you naturally like Lamar Jackson, you're going to go. Well, if you like their under, you hate Lamar Jackson. It's like, no, actually, I just think there's a chance they win ten or eleven games instead of thirteen. Yeah, and like when that happens, I'm going to cash this bet, especially because. Look, as much as what Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did last year was incredible, they, their variance on fourth downs, it was they could continue to go for them at a yeah. very high rate. But I mean, they could just be slightly worse at converting them. They were amazing at converting them. They're slightly worse at converting them, and they go 12-4. and four. They're also playing a harder schedule. Like, there are all these things that I think – you know, come into play here, whereas the Chiefs are sort of used to this. Um, so if I had to take the under on one of them, I think the, the Ravens would be the one that I'd take the under on. I don't think I would bet the over for either, to be honest. No, and like I bet the Chiefs over 10 flat last year, which I thought was okay. But even then, a, a statistical model is never going to get you out to an, a median of 11 and a half, right? So it's almost, almost everybody... Good way to tell if someone is actually doing math or not. Yeah, it's almost never going to be a model play. But the hard part is, is you're uh, this is a market, so you're paying a premium, and no one likes to like watch like Seren Petro, one of our one of our great listeners and a, and a host in Kansas City, will almost never bet against the Chiefs because they're his favorite team. And I'm not saying I'm going to lay money on this under here, but I do think it has like you're paying a premium well, minus Chiefs- one forty. 40 the for the over. over. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's incredible. But but if I'm going to pick one of these teams to go over, it's Kansas City. And the reason is, is last season, we had a lot of regression in the Chiefs offense. Mahomes got hurt. A lot of players got hurt on offense. And Mahomes threw half as many touch, literally half as many touchdown passes in 2019 as he did 2018. And, you know, their defense got a little bit better and they got some luck. So they got to 12 wins. The Ravens had the you know an MVP you know that was Lamar's MVP year last year and their defense played amazingly. If either one of those regresses, it's going to be really hard in AFC North. That includes the Browns, who are pretty talented, and Pittsburgh, who's coming back, and then of course the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow will probably make the Cincinnati Bengals more uh, you know competitive than they were last year. The the Chiefs basically ha- the Chiefs haven't lost to the Broncos since 2015, so like it's just a simpler road for them. 
All right, I have a couple more. Um, let me them up here. So the ones that I have not brought up, I have another under, and this is my 49ers. It's 10 and a half. Yeah. 10 and a half is a high number. That, um, that division is so, 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 so good. So like, just look at the Houston Texans, right? I think there, there's a six and there's a ton of juice on the over. I mean, they're going to be way better. The Seahawks have Russell Wilson. Um, and the 49ers are the, what I'm looking at is where are teams that did really well in situations that are super unstable. And as great as the Niners offense was, their defense was also amazing. And that's something that you would expect to regress a little bit. We mentioned the whole coverage thing, right? Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't help that they, you know, pilfered the, the Indianapolis Colts with their team pick. But 10.5, I think, is a little high. And there's going to be people love the 49ers. So you're yeah. probably going to get a good price on this. Right now, the under is plus 130. So I like that. Um, I also like the, I mentioned the Bears under 8.5. And the Packers under 10, which I'm, yeah. I'm obligated uh, by law to, to bet on. Um, and then one more over that I like is the Washington Redskins at five and a half. Um, they have a high pick. I uh, don't believe incredibly highly in, in that division. Um, and I, I just don't think that their win total should be a half game short of what the, uh, the, the Giants are. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a fade of Daniel Jones. Yes. You know, and that's something that I can get on board with Jones through 13 of his 24 touchdowns in three games last year. So uh, he's certainly being overvalued. I think uh, there's no reason Washington should have a full win less uh, than, uh, you know, right. um, than the Giants. So, um, OK, let's let's talk about draft props because this because because here's the thing. Like there's always this, there's this cloud of uncertainty with respect to the season. Probably, you know, we're probably fine, but probably, we're, <laughs> I we're probably okay. in general. Yes. Yeah. There is a cloud of uncertainty. But even like, I, you know, even all these bets go, become no bets if they play 15 games because they, they have to start the season a week later or something. You know what I mean? Like, but there is a draft on, you know, and from all indications, they are going to do this draft. And, and also, by May 1st, you'll know if you have won this money or not, you know, Hold so on. that's kind of real, real quick. What are, how do you feel right now? Cause we had this, we talked yesterday when I got off the plane yep. and we talked a little bit about like, what do you think is going to happen? Um, what, what do you think right now? Like in your, in the bottom of your heart, how do you feel the next three, four months go with respect to football? Well, <clears throat> I'm being a little bit informed here by the market because I've looked at some props for other sports. Like when will baseball start? When will basketball start? Um, I would say with everything that's riding on the NFL from a TV perspective, I would be extremely surprised if we did not have some form of football come September. Um, That being said, it might be a lot different than what we're used to. Uh, I think that, for example, fans probably won't be allowed at training camp. Um, uh, Players might miss time because it might be something where, you know, they are constantly taking COVID tests. And if they're out, they're out for two weeks or something like that. Right. Um, And 
And I, I think that there's a, I think that there's a far more significant chance that they play the season without fans than they don't play the season. I agree. Um, but, but just to back, back this up for people who are nervous and I know the betting markets don't tell you everything, but it is a better than even money chance that basketball, basketball and baseball start after July 1st. If you look at the betting markets, it is a better than even chance they start before August 1st. So, so a couple things that we discussed yesterday that I, I totally agree with. Um, talk to Peter King a little bit, our, our good friend. And he said, one of the things that he brought up that I thought was interesting was, like, there are owners out there that think that there's a really much higher than zero chance that we don't have games, um, which I thought was really interesting. But then you think about it, you go, okay, well, things are probably going to get worse for a little while. There are a couple of scenarios where they get worse, but they they really impact the NFL. So a couple of options would be like a bunch of NFL players test positive for it, right? To the point where certain teams are really going to be debilitated, you know? And I think that, that could potentially postpone some games. But if you look at CBS, if CBS doesn't have the NFL, like they may as well just kiss everything goodbye because they don't have the, they already lost the March Madness tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament, and they've lost the Masters so far. So like two of the three things that they have have gone away. So I, I think you could very legitimately see, I think the betting favor right now is you have games without fans. Um, the start yeah. of the season. Well, so, and, it, and NBC might, it sounds like the Olympics are going to be postponed, which yeah. you don't know when they'll be postponed to, but that's a huge cash, you know, yeah. cash cow for NBC. Obviously Fox and, and ESPN um, right now are reeling because they have to show, uh, you know, old, you know, and, my thing is, and again, it sounds like, and, and we're not a politics podcast or anything like that, but it sounds like there's a chance that the president is going to re, you know, basically lower some of the restrictions on people staying home to try to revive the economy. Um, which means, again, like I think, obviously there there's a, a chance of catastrophe here with respect to deaths and and people being sick and all that kind of stuff, and they're weighing that against like economics, right? And then the fact that you can't shut down the economy for four months and, and expect things to be good either, right? You have to, this is a mini max problem. And the, I think what ends up happening is we have to significantly reorient what we think is normal, you know? And we, you know, I think, I think when it comes down to watching football in, in large crowded stadiums during the 2020 season, that's probably not a, a realistic bar for what's normal. But watching football, I think having sports, it helps keep people from, con- you know, it keeps people home, which is part of the part of the bit. And so I think that they'll be creative enough. They have, what, five months until the end of the preseason. So I think that, you know, certainly there's a chance that they're thinking about something that will mitigate both both risks, the risk of losing the season and the risk of getting people, more people sick. Mm-hmm. All right. Draft pops. OK, Um so these are on, I've seen them on my bookie. I've seen them on uh, bet online. I've seen, you know, so there might be different prices for different, for different situations. Just go ahead and shop around. Obviously you guys are all smart. Um, <clears throat> here's one that I really like. I really like, um, Jalen hurts in the, in the third round plus plus one fifty. Hmm. He's not going to hurt. 
I don't think he's going in the first. And then you've got you've got. A, I think you've got a chance where there's like no quarterback taken in the second. Like you, you don't. You this know? reminds me of Mason Rudolph. Interesting. Yeah. So in 2018, we had the five quarterbacks going round one, and there was a chance that people were thinking about Mason Rudolph. But then Mason lasts until the third round because I think once like the first round quarterback thing goes away, people sort of forget about the position for a little bit. And I think that's where sort of Hertz falls in. So his his uh, odds on favorite is second round. But I think if you go third round, I think you get you get a little bit more value. I agree. I like it. Um, you have a couple of props on here for the third pick. So, Okuda right now is plus 150. Yeah. And if we know anything about the Lions, it's that they're trying to be the Patriots. And the Patriots have never invested heavily in defensive line. So, if Chase Young and Okuda are still there, you're getting plus money with Okuda. I'm, I'm down with it. Well, I don't even think I. It's not even that so much to me. It's if Chase Young goes second. Oh, sure, there's that too. I mean, I, I just assume right now that um, someone's either going to take two or trade up one. Yeah. So if no, so and that's also why I have Tua as the third pick plus two hundred because I do think there might be a chance that Washington or you know a team that trades up thinks that they need Chase Young in that spot more than they need to breathe. And Tua or Akuda end up being the the third preferred player in the draft. See that as well. Um, what about uh, oh Jordan Love, third quarterback taken? Yeah. Really? Well plus three twenty five I think it's a really yeah. good value. Because yeah. because there are people who look at Herbert and think to themselves, okay, Herbert had everything, you know, and it's not true, right? I mean, you know, Herbert had his issues from a support standpoint, but they're going to say, oh, he played for a power five. He had a good offensive line, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Jordan Love had nothing around him, right? He's got a better arm. He's the you know, more toolsy, all that kind of nonsense. And I think that there's a better than one in four chance that a team likes him better and might take him uh, instead of taking Herbert. I'm with you there. Um, first wide receiver drafted. So CeeDee Lamb is minus 130. Jerry Judy plus 130. Henry Ruggs plus 700. Uh, Field plus 1,000. I am tempted, of course, by Henry Ruggs at plus 700. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I actually think Lamb at minus one thirty is not a terrible. Or no, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Judy at plus one thirty is probably the best value on that board. Um, pretty much the consensus one, one guy. Yeah, and he's better than Lamb. Um, and I think you could make a case like we like Rugs a little bit more because of the type. But you know, you can make a case that Judy's better than Rugs too. So um, if you get a plus one thirty on a thing that I think is better than fifty percent, of course you take it. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe maybe the play here is to sprinkle a little bit bo- on both both Alabama, uh, both Alabama wide receivers. Yeah, I like it. Um, any others? Well, we have the the first offensive lineman taken, which is Werfs, Becton, Wills, and Thomas. 
Um, Thomas is currently plus 1100, which is the same price I got Brady to Tampa Bay for. Um, and so just as a, as a, uh, I would say Thomas, Thomas is probably, Thomas is probably better than a one in 10 chance to be the first lineman taken. So, uh, I think that's worth at least a little bit of a sprinkle. I also, um, like Beckton at plus 150, uh, because that is as crazy as that would be the craziness that I would have come to expect from the NFL draft, which is a guy that, um, we think is like a much bigger crap shoot than, than people are giving credit for based on his measurements. Yep. So I don't think that is like that either. Um, cool. Uh, quickly before we get out of here, your thoughts on the Rams logo. You hate it? Uh, well, we are in a mitigation phase of the, of the world right now. So is it great? No. Is it the worst that it could ever have been? No. I like that. I, so here's my, um, here's my official take. I hate the LA with the Ram form because I think I legitimately think it looks like it could be a Chargers logo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I do, I really like the Ram, like just the Ram head. I think that looks pretty good. If they keep their uniforms basically the same, that color blue and that color yellow, and I, I think it's a disaster averted. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. That's my take. Um, cool. Uh, only other thing we had on here was that Joe Buck is calling videos for people. Uh, did you send any videos to him? No, I, I, I told them, you know, you know, have them be realistic. Like I'm not, don't have Buck be like, and the Vikings win the Super Bowl because it's like, just have them, you know, just, just give them realistic ones. Well, he said, send videos of what you're doing at home and I'll work on my play by play. So this opens up a real can of worms that I'm not, I don't know if you wanted. Um, what do you think the worst, like, you know, my daily routine would be the worst thing that I could send in the video. So he'd be like, you know, (laughs) and George flips out about an avocado that is not right in his Uber Eats bag. I don't order Uber Eats. I'm sorry. What would it, or I mean, I I would just flip out because an avocado wasn't right. That's very possible. Yeah. I don't know that it could. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Eric, Eric gets ripped on for not paying enough attention to the people in his house. You know. uh, yes, I I was trying to think of things that that you might do. Um, so, but I don't know if your house. So the thing that came to mind was like in the office, you just grab like handfuls of nuts, uh, peanuts. Mix, yes, mix nuts from the. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. From the uh, sack, from the snack lounge. And I think it would be funny to see him narrate you having with this bowl of like snacks that you snack on and then leave and then go somewhere else. And I think it'd be funny to hear him talk about the, the what's remaining in that. What that about Steve's sway walk where he like runs into like five things on the way to uh That'd be a good one as well. Yeah. That'd be a good one as well. Cool man. Um this was our show. We will be back. Uh, on Thursday, I should remind everyone that the new draft guide is out and it is awesome. So we want to give that.com. Um, we might give away some edge subscriptions too that will give you uh, access to it. So stay tuned to everything on 
at PFF and go to pff.com read all the great content. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys. this weekend and save during the friends and family sale take an extra 20 percent off get pleased for the family 15.99 and under the new fitbit inspired 2 is 99.99 and save on family denim 17.59 and under plus get kohl's cash plus fast and free store pickup find a little more this fall shop kohl's and kohl's.com select styles offers valid september 30th through october 4th 20 percent off with promo code family shop fitbit offers and coupons do not apply some exclusions apply see store or kohl's.com for details have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.